It's time now for... Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And we were just listening to a young child in a video, a beautiful video that I'm going to post on my website later tonight um, singing the Ukrainian National Anthem. And that's because today, Sunday, April 3rd, 2022, we're having a special show that is completely dedicated to you, the, to Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. And we want to create a show that brings hope and healing so that we can have the energy to help and be part of the peace that we want to see in the world. We know that people are stressed out. But by helping, um, we, can, we can feel not so helpless, and we'll also be um, doing some healing here on the show. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment is here with us, of course, to make the show run smoothly. We won't have any commercials today, and we won't be taking any calls from callers. Um, if you have um, information that you want to get to me, you can feel free to email me at drmara at drmaracarpel.com. And um, if I don't get to announce it on this show, then if it's something relevant to the show, I'll post it on my website post. And in a little while, we'll be joined right here from here in Austin by chair of the board for HFLA, HFLA to discuss how his local organization is helping people in Ukraine and about the national organization that we might be able to donate to that's doing fundraising to help refugees. And I'll also tell you about some more of the organizations that I trust enough that I've been donating to as well. And then we'll be joined for the remainder of the program, once again from Washington, D.C., world-renowned cellist Tanya Anisimova. And we'll be playing some of her healing music for Ukraine. She'll possibly play live for us on air. And we'll discuss about her support for Ukraine as a Russian-American and why we all need to support this sovereign nation. And um, I will be posting links later tonight on my website, drmaricorpel.com. Uh, with any information that could be helpful, and even after tonight, if I learn of other ways that we can help, I'll be posting that on my website. And you can listen to the show later tonight there. You can also re-listen to this on podcast in five minutes after the show right here on blogtalkradio.com slash yourgoldenyears. And this program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And without further ado, let me get to our first guest, Ed Hockfield, who's joining us from right here in Austin, Texas. And he is chair of the board for HFLA, and he's going to talk about some ways that um, they are helping the Ukrainians 
civilians. Welcome, Ed. Thank you. Thank you, Car- Dr. Carpal. It's a, a pleasure to be with you, and I appreciate the opportunity to discuss uh, how those here in the not only the Austin area, but perhaps your listeners elsewhere can uh, help this situation, the unfortunate, the devastating uh, situation in Ukraine. I know that us being thousands of miles away, people are saying, how can I help? So thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, and thank you for for joining us. I know it's a busy day for all the nonprofits in the Austin area <laughs> raising money with Ignite Austin. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Yeah. As, as yeah, a matter of fact, I'm uh, actually sitting. As a matter of fact, I'm actually sitting in the uh, foyer of the JW Marriott as tonight Ignite is the uh, annual, uh, the largest annual event uh, by the Shalom Austin. Uh, Federation, Jewish Federation. I know that you asked Dr. I mean, excuse me, Rabbi Daniel Septimus to be on, on this program, but uh, as the executive director of Shomalsk, and uh, he's quite busy, but he sends his, his best, and I discussed with him uh, some of his thoughts. So if I may for a moment first talk about uh, when you say the acronym HFLA, uh, I don't know how many of your uh, listeners are familiar with the Hebrew free loan of Austin, uh, we are 11 mm-hmm. years yes. in our we are 11 years in our formation. However, Hebrew free loans throughout the world, including Australia, uh, Sydney, and in Jerusalem, along with uh, cities in Canada uh, and the United States, uh, we some of them have been in uh, 125 years or more. Uh, what we do here in Austin and what we are doing for the Ukrainian, uh, uh, our, our, our part is, our, our mission is to offer a hand up in the form of a interest-free, no, no interest loan to those in the, to, to the Austin Jewish community uh, where they need a hand up. Uh, so in this respect, we have extended our general loan, which is up to $10,000 to anyone here in the Austin Jewish community who might have a family member or a friend uh, in Ukraine who is in need of funds to either uh, stabilize their life or perhaps even to to leave Ukraine. And all Mm -hmm. one needs to do there, uh, Dr. Carpel, is to go to our website uh, H-L-A, that's again, H-F-L-A dot org, and that will lead a person to where they can make application. So uh, there would be, need to be a guarantor because this is a loan, uh, no interest loan, with repayment anywhere from uh, 24 to 30 months. So that is available. Uh, we urge anyone who might uh, know of someone in Ukraine uh, to, to please make an application. That could be a loan up to $10,000. Uh, right. And as we, we talked about on the phone, the, the friend or the family member doesn't have to themselves be Jewish. It's just the loan uh, is offered to the Jewish community here. That is correct. Uh, it, it would be offered to a Jewish person here in Austin. Uh, it does not have to necessarily be to someone who is Jewish. Uh, 
uh, in Ukraine. You're correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I'm going to be posting that on my uh, website link tonight so people can go there and they can find out how they, you know, if they're interested in that, how they can do it. Um, and you right. also mentioned to me some national national effort to fundraise um, for refugees from Ukraine. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, Shalom Austin here in in Austin as part of their federation, and the Federation of North America uh, has been very instrumental and. In Helping those in Ukraine in a various various ways, uh, it could be uh, providing help to those uh, who are caught in the fighting. It could be uh, assisting those seeking to flee. It could be aiding refugees already in neighboring countries, and uh, it could also be for facilitating Aliyah. Uh, what I would add, what I would suggest, uh, and as you mentioned, some of your uh, organizations that you can mention later in the evening. Uh, vetting is a very important thing, and I can tell you, uh, Dr. Koppel, that the Jewish Federation's organization is <clears throat> very, very, very uh, well vetted. The monies that one would donate goes directly to those in need. And I would suggest that if any of your listeners are interested, they would go to the website, Jewish federations.org and that's Jewish Federations F-E-D-E-R-A-T-I-O-N-S dot org and when they get to that site there's a pull down of how we help and all one would have to do is just click that how we help and right away the first the first next click or the first thing coming up would be crisis in Ukraine, and it really <laughs> tells the story, as I have just highlighted very quickly, it tells the story of what is currently being done, and they give not only a way of suggesting of donate, but if one wants to volunteer, there is a click for that, that page, and there's also a click for advocacy. Uh, I would tell you that... Uh, and lastly, uh, which might be of interest, is there is a twice a week, which is on Monday and Thursday, Austin time, would be 3.30 to 4 o'clock, there is a briefing uh, by the Federation of exactly what the current status is uh, in, in Ukraine. Uh, the one last week that I was a part of talked about the 100,000 uh, refugees that the current administration uh, has said we will allow in this country. So that's a uh, that's that's still in process. We don't know the exact particulars of that, but it's a very interesting update for those who might want to partake. That's again, uh, and you can register for that on that site. So again, it's going to JewishFederations.org. Pull down how we help. And then the crisis in Ukraine takes you right to a very, very complete overview of how the Federation, Jewish Federations, they already poured, I think, close to $40 million into the uh, Ukraine situation. Uh, so uh, that is another way 
that one can participate. That's great information, and I will be posting that link on my website tonight. That sounds like a really good a good way for people to get involved. Um, so, so Ed, I know that you have to run <laughs> to do the fundraiser at Ignite Austin, and um, good luck to you with that, and thank you for making the time tonight, and I hope that you can come back and speak soon about some of the other ways that HFLA can help people here in the Austin area. I, I, uh, I thank you for this time. I thank your listeners for getting involved in this horrendous situation. It's the greatest displacement of, since World War II, uh, which many of us, of us was, were not even alive to, to, uh, you know, to, to see or to be a part of. Uh, uh, but uh, I would love to come back because the Hebrew Free Loan of Austin is here, as I said, to lend a hand up. Uh, to those of the Jewish community and those who might work for a Jewish agency but not Jewish. I would love to talk about it. We're here to help. So thank you. Great. And I know that uh, I'm sorry you're not staying on for the uh, concert later, but I appreciate the opportunity and, and just make it a great day. And thank you again. Well, thank you. You have a good evening. Thank you. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. We're going to uh, before we go to our musician um, with her incredible music and her thoughts about healing for Ukraine, um, Tanya Anastimova, um, um, I want to just mention, talk for just very briefly um, so that I don't use up a lot of time. Um, you know, being part of the solution, doing something to help, being compassionate and generous is an extremely powerful way to overcome the stress that we feel and the feeling of helplessness that we have. That if we feel that we can do something to help, either by volunteering um, or donating, even the smallest amount can make a big difference. It all adds up and we can feel that we're part of the solution. It helps the people who are in need and it also helps us to be able to heal. And the point of this show is so that we can heal and we can be the peace in the world and we can be the ones to help other people. So I wanted to list some of the few organizations in addition to the ones that Ed mentioned and uh, Jewish Federations is well vetted and I, I agree with that. So that is a great place to go to. Um, there's also UNICEF which helps children worldwide, and now they have an initiative to help the children coming from Ukraine. Um, there are many children crossing the border by themselves because they are orphans, and many of them were orphaned in the last war just a few years ago with Russia. Um, so now UNICEF is helping those children. And there's World Central Kitchen, that's Chef Andre's organization. He's been setting up kitchens to feed people good food in disaster areas for the past several years and now has a kitchen at the border of Ukraine in Poland to feed refugees coming over the border there. There's the Global Empowerment Mission, and they've been on the ground in Poland since day two of the invasion, helping to relocate evacuees, and they're taking donations. 
And many of you might have heard of the GoFundMe page by Milo Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. And their money that they raise goes to Flexport.org and Airbnb.org, where they're providing relief supplies to refugee sites in Poland, Romania, Hungary, Slovakia, and Moldavia, and free short-term housing for those who have fled Ukraine since the Russian invasion began on February 24th. And again, I'll be posting these links so that you can find out more about how you can get involved and how you can be part of the solution. And if you know of any trustworthy organizations um, that I haven't mentioned, please email me at drmara at drmarakarpel.com, and I'll include those links as well, and I'll continue including them even after tonight. So, um, again, get involved. And now, um, without any further ado, we want to welcome our next guest, who is a returning guest from Washington, D.C., world-renowned cellist Tanya Anisimova. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you, Mara. It's good to hear your voice again. Somehow, listening to your voice, I feel that perhaps uh, we still have... We still have... uh, a good chance that this uh, absurd that this absurd will see its end. I sure hope so, and thank you for saying that. We all feel better when we hear each other's voices. I'm happy to hear your voice <laughs> as well. Um, just to remind you, when we speak like this, there's about a half second delay, so it's just enough to trip us up if we don't know, if we're not aware of it. Um, okay. Thank you so much for being available to speak with us on this special evening and to play your beautiful music for us. Um, and I also want to let you know that we're not on a time crunch. So it's okay if we go over the usual one-hour limit of the show. So we're not going to rush you, okay? And we're going to play your musical pieces that you sent in full um, and also give you an opportunity to perform on live live on the air if you're up for it later. Okay. Okay. Sounds very exciting. Yeah. So, you know, why don't we start with the usual, just a little bit about yourself so listeners know who you are, what your background is. Well, my background is um, a huge mixture. I am partly Chechen, I am partly Ukrainian, I am partly Russian, and I am partly Polish. And now, Mm. witnessing these tragic events, I feel like... My whole body, it, it aches. I, I feel mm-hmm. that it's uh, really, this um, is hard to believe. This is really hard to believe. I, I wouldn't, um, I was among those people who said even a week before this terrible war began, I said that that, will, that could never be. That I was among mm-hmm. those people who said that it could never be. And uh, now uh, it's happening, and uh, I still can't believe it. I was born in Grozny, in the uh, Czech Republic, and I, was, um, mm. I started uh, studying music uh, in Moscow. And when I was uh, 23, I, uh, 
already immigrated to the United States and continued my education. I graduated from Moscow Conservatory and then from Boston University and then from Yale University School of Music. So for almost a quarter of a century, I was in schools learning music and mm-hmm. philosophy of music and composition and many different things. But um, when I was 28, I met an amazing person who became my husband, and his name is Alexandra Nukhriev, and he's a world-renowned master artist painter, and he paints angels. Your, your other listeners are welcome to look him up. Uh, his last name is Anufriev. Uh, his first name was Alexander, and if they look me up, they, I'm sure we'll see a few articles uh, or a few interviews which we do together. We have done many projects together, inter- interdisciplinary projects where his gigantic paintings of angels were displayed where my original music was played. Um, Alexander has painted angels since mid-60s, so he's, um, this is his sole theme. And uh, right now, more than ever, I feel that we are protected and we're sane because mm-hmm. of the nature of our, our work. Uh, it keeps us um, afloat um, spiritually. Was that one and, of his? Um, was that one of his angels? Mm-hmm. Was that one of his angels that you posted recently? You did a post, and there was a beautiful painting of an angel. Was that yes. your husband's painting? Yes, usually when I post paintings, uh, they are by my husband, uh, but some of okay. them are mine. That's how we met. I came to, to, to learn to paint. I came to his studio. And uh, yes, I do continue to paint. I do some um, uh, still lifes and some landscapes, but our styles are very different. It's impossible to mistake one for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see, my landscape uh, is, uh, is a featured photo on my um, professional Facebook page. That's mine. But you see, when you look at Alexander's, it's impossible to mistake him for anybody else. It's immediately uh-huh. his style is very uh-huh. striking and very unique. Um, so we, we now live in Washington, D.C. Uh, for 12 years, we lived in the Blue Ridge Mountains of uh, Virginia. We um, enjoyed um, close communication with the various ashrams. Ashrams are spiritual centers, and it seems to mm-hmm. be that the that region of Central Virginia is really uh, it's attracting people seeking self-realization. Yogaville is there. Synchronicity Foundation is there. Bob Monroe Institute is there. Buddhist monasteries are there, all in, in the vicinity mm-hmm. of uh, 50 or 40 miles. It's, it's a very energetically powerful place. And we were there for 12 years, and we created. I wrote music, and Alexander painted. Uh, and then um, nine years ago, we came to the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I'm giving concerts, I'm recording, I'm composing, I'm teaching, uh, and Alexander is painting. Our lives are very, very uh, monotone, (laughs) very Uh uh, much filled with a routine. Uh, And we we don't even have time, not just because of the pandemic, but we don't really have time to to, uh, meet uh, with friends very often, which is mm-hmm. so immersed in mm-hmm. what we do. 
but in, in a way, it was it was helpful. It was helpful, especially when coronavirus uh, struck us all, and then now for sure. these past uh, months, uh, because not not much has changed. We're just continuing to do what we do. You know, um, mm-hmm. Tanya, we share a little bit of background. I've, <clears throat> I've been in the U.S. I'm like second generation on one side and third generation on another. But my I didn't know this part. Yeah, mm-hmm. my my mother's grandparents were from Ukraine and oh. and Poland, and my father's parents were from Hungary and Latvia. So, oh, you're quite a mixture yourself. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Well, you know, uh, being uh, Eastern European Jewish, the, you know, my, our families moved around a lot <laughs> throughout Eastern right. Europe, marrying people along the way. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. Well, you know, Tony, why don't we play the, we're going to play the first song that the first piece not a song first piece that you sent us um it's the 16 minute piece is that one that one is a sweet uh, for is this called sufi sweet sufi sweet yes so we're gonna we're gonna play the entirety of that the 16 minutes so don't go anywhere. Okay. We're going to come back and and talk more. And you know, listeners. And can before we go to it, can you talk to us about it? Forgot about that part. Sure, sure. Um, this piece was written in 2006, and it was premiered in New York at uh, Rurik Museum. Painter, spiritual painter, Nicola, Nicholas Rurik. Uh, in, in, at his museum with his paintings, it was premiered. And the piece is interesting because the cello is not tuned in its usual way. The, we call it scordatura, when the cello's tuning is changed. Uh, when we uh, change the tuning of the cello, uh, different colors come forth, and this uh, instrument sounds different from what usually sounds like also there is a voice i'm i'm vocalizing in the second movement you will hear uh vocals and that's me singing along with my um playing uh the movements are called uh after rumi and uh, the dance of the dervishes uh, i'm being chechen i'm uh, interested in sufism in Mm. It's uh, poets uh, in Jaladin Rumi and Omar Khayyam. I grew up with their poetry being beautifully translated into Russian. Um, I'm hoping that maybe someday I will learn Persian and will be able to read in uh, in the original language. But the idea that, you know, that Sufis were prosecuted by radical Muslims because they... Um, played instruments because they sang, because they danced, because they believed that by uh, creating music and by dancing, they were communing with God. And that went against the tradition. So they were sometimes mm-hmm. publicly persecuted, and yet they remained who they were. Um, so, um, so that's basically it. So this uh, Sufi suite is inspired by a poetry of Jaladin Rumi, Sufi poet. Okay. 
Okay, great. So we're going to play that. Um, we're going to come back and speak some more. And listeners, you know, sit back and enjoy. Okay.
Thank you. 
Beautiful, Tanya. Well, I don't know. It was uh, a live performance, mm. and uh, the recording quality, as I realize now, wasn't as great. But um, I don't know if uh, the plan uh, is set, or maybe we can slightly change it. Um, I would like mm-hmm. to play live, because I think that the um, sound quality will will be better, and maybe we will... Um, reach the, the souls of the listeners more that way. Sure. Can you absolutely. hear me? We're flexible. I can hear you. Yep. Can you hear me all right? Yes, I can hear you well. Uh, but because it's, uh, I'm with you on the phone, uh, there will be some traffic sometimes I can hear the car. So I hope they won't disturb <laughs> the listening that, experience. Yeah, that's okay. That just uh-huh. makes I it would more, like to play more live. Um, I would like to play Albinoni, Albinoni Gerdotto Adagio. It's a very powerful adagio. It's one of the most powerful adagios that I know. And adagio is a slow and majestic tempo in music. Tanya, mm-hmm. could you just give me a couple of notes before you play? Perfect. 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 Thank you. Is it is it okay? Okay. Yeah. All right. You're on. <laughs> okay. Okay.
arrangement of the adagio by Albinoni Giazzotto. And this is Beautiful. a mysterious it's a mysterious piece because uh, only the first motif, the first few notes belong to the um, Baroque composer Albinoni. Um, on, only those notes. Giazzotto was Italian composer who by chance discovered this excerpt in a library in Berlin. And he was inspired to continue the melody because there was no ending to this melody, only the initial motive. And he finished, he created the whole work. We consider it one of the Baroque, examples of Baroque era, but this is not the one. It's a compilation and the, the, uh, majority of this piece was the big part of this piece was written mid in the middle of the 20th century. But it's hard to believe it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It's very, you know, you said you wanted it to touch people's hearts. It touched mine. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. Thank you. So, so Tanya, did you ever live in Ukraine? I never there? lived in Ukraine. Uh, I w- visited Odessa many times. Mm-hmm. Odessa is a resort, mm-hmm. a beautiful town, very cultural town, the wonderful opera theater. I attended a ballet, Don Quixote, there. When I was there, I was a little girl. I was nine. My father took me there. And I loved um, mm-hmm. Odessa. But then we came uh, in 2002, we came to Odessa with my husband. He left um, the Soviet Union back in 1980 and never came back. Only in 2002, over um, 20 years later, I convinced him to go with me because I had a concert in Moscow and we decided to travel to Ukraine together he was mm-hmm. really it was a very special experience for him after when he saw his friends right now we are in touch with them we skype or not converse on skype with our friends in odessa they're still there and this is mm-hmm. unbelievable even today they bombed the city um, again and uh, yeah. this amazing artist. The artist, imagine Picasso or Chagall being hearing uh, uh, for their life and spending the night uh, in the basement, the mm. whole basement. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, yep. uh, it's, I, I feel 
so much anger now um, with what yep. has been done. She's my a, my um, sister-in-law mm-hmm. is actually from Kiev. She she oh. moved to the United States in the early 80s as well, and uh, but still has close friends from childhood in Kiev who stayed. They're still there, and she she what's at mm-hmm. she what apps with them every day just to make sure they're okay. Sometimes she said she just looks to see that they read her message so that she knows that you know they're still alive. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I guess, you know, I think it's, there are a lot of people, obviously, who care about this war and want to do something to help, but there are a lot of Americans who just really, it's not on their radar. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I'd like to hear from you, your thoughts about why, why we should care, even if we don't have family or friends in that region? Well, that, a similar conversation we had with my younger sister, who has moved here when she was only 10. She um, doesn't feel a clo- closeness to this problem somehow. She said to me, uh, while there are wars raging all over the planet, Tanya, and there is a war in Congo, there no one lives beyond being 40 years of age in Congo. Why should I worry about this war more than I would worry about those other wars? Um, and I, 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 I say that there is a grain of truth in her, but she's saying that all wars are terrible, of course. And what is going on mm-hmm. in Africa is awful, the starvation and disease and uh, lack of uh, immediate uh, care. But this is something different. This is, this is a power that is um, influencing the way the world is. Russia has been an aggressor country for many, many years, and it's been disguising itself and its aggression under all of those masks of perestroika and glasnost and democratic freedom. In fact, none of that was fully existing in Russia, ever. And now when the masks are torn off and when we can see the true face of this power, we can see, see that it's a fascistic regime. Mm-hmm. But what's going on in Germany in the end of the 20th or the last century, well, actually, exactly 100 years ago, we can say, right? Um, uh, mm-hmm. Because it started, he, he came to power in 33, but the, that movement started in the ni- uh, 1920s, right? So it's exactly right. 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so what was there 100 years ago and what was the outcome of that for the world? something that the repercussions that we experience even today. That's what is happening right now. This is the story that affects the whole planet. So even if you mm-hmm. think that it doesn't touch you, you're wrong because it does. It's, it's a, it's, this war is a part, or this is the war that all of us are part of. This is a war mm-hmm. of fascism against democracy. This is how I see it. 
Mm-hmm. This is how I see mm-hmm. it. Because it was done, it was, um, it, Russia was never a democratic country. Never. Even when it was in the most uh, green stage of its communism, communistic, uh, oh, actually, all, uh, also a little bit over 100 years ago in 1917, when it said that it was going to be the first unique country, the most democratic, the most free, the most uh, beautiful, and everyone knew what happened after, right? With Stalin mm-hmm. and its repressions. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, Russia was a democratic party. So my thoughts of, uh, of course, uh, reg- uh, um, common Americans see the prices at uh, gas stations, they see um, is uh, noticeable, right? They see right. that uh, somehow this war is affecting them whether they want it or not. Uh, my, uh, uh, I'm frightened, Mara. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really frightened because I, um, yeah. I'm afraid that uh, we will not um, apply enough power, that NATO uh, will be obeying uh, the protocol. And they will, I'm, I'm afraid that Putin will go over bank. I'm afraid that he will put everything, um, yeah, he will take a, the, well, I'm not sure about the nuclear power, but I, I, knowing the psychology of the Russian communists, and he's also a Russian communist, he's a KGB mm-hmm. uh, person, yeah, I believe that right now he will be ready to do anything to win. So my, mm-hmm. I'm frightened because I'm, I'm afraid that if he wins, it'll be even worse. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm also frightened because the polls uh, show that the Russians are not against this war. Those uh, thousands of Russians who fled the country they have always been opposed to the regime. Yeah, there. Uh, you know that all of the media channels have been closed. The, any media channel which is not expressing the uh, official opinion, they they were banned, closed. Some people mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. Uh, tailed and uh, feared for their lives, so they left. Uh, but majority of people, 140 million people, they're not opposed to this war. Do, do they know what's really happening? I mean, that's the message we're getting is that they don't really know what's happening. I spoke with a couple of my friends. I, um, WhatsApp is still functioning. Instagram is not. Facebook is not, right? But WhatsApp is still functioning. And Telegram is also functioning. And so you can still communicate with them. I spoke with them. They're not, they're not talking about it. They're, they're just refusing to continue conversation. Maybe, maybe you can say that, yes, they know, but they're so afraid. Mm-hmm. They're so afraid. But I think majority of the people watch TV. And I, just out of curiosity, I watched some of these official, official channels. You will not believe what, what they're saying there. Now, when, um, when 
people from uh, other countries came to fight on Ukrainian side. Uh, these um, professional soldiers, soldiers came to help. The way they're described on uh, Russian TV is that they're Satan cult uh, worshippers. Wow. So, and it would be too funny if it wasn't that tragic because <laughs> people right. believe right. anything. People, people believe anything. They believe that the uh, city of Mariupol, the one that is 90% of which is destroyed, was bombed by Ukrainian forces. That's what people believe in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how how far will this go. I don't even understand. There, there. The idea is that Russians have always had this inner aggression in them. I don't believe in it. I think people are pretty much the same. Can you imagine, right. Marla, for example? Can you imagine if uh, all of the sudden in the U.S. all of the media uh, that the independent media was banned and only the official channel was uh, functioning and um, 300 million people were watching the same news, the same propaganda for, well, now it's almost 20 years that it's happening there. So for, for mm-hmm. two decades, what do you think would have happened? Would we still be free <laughs> thinkers? What do you think? No, it's, it's brainwashing. That's brainwashing. You know. And the way it, and people, so, uh, the, the people, uh, they um, invest a lot of money in this propaganda. People who are very gifted speakers and work for the regime, they're paid amazing sums of money, and they're very passionate. When you listen to them mm-hmm. for, for a couple of hours, my stepmom uh, went there a couple of years ago, and she said, Tanya, after listening to these guys, I felt like uh, taking an arm in arms in my, 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 my hands and just going and kill, killing all the enemies, enemies of the state. <laughs> she said. Mm-hmm. So wow. it, it was enough for her for a couple of weeks. It was enough for her to, to, to be ready to, to act. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm you not know, sure that would be the same uh, with me, but yeah. Well, you know, if there are intelligent people who are putting out the propaganda, then they know how to brainwash people. Um, so, you know, before we before we go on to the next song, <laughs> um, are, do you have thoughts about how? people here might be able to help with people feeling so helpless here? You know, I gave names of organizations. Um, I don't know if you know of any of those or if you just have thoughts about it. Um, There's a Ukrainian um, channel, which is called Free Dom. It's a TV channel. All of the Ukrainian uh, media channels uh, are now grouped together and they translate the truth about this war 24-7. And if you go to that channel, uh, I think there you can um, have uh, subtitles, English subtitles, so you will understand what they're saying. They translate in Ukrainian and in Russian, but you can also see what, uh, watch and um, understand what they're saying with subtitles. They constantly uh, publish 
verifiable links where you can send uh, funds to help. Um, okay. Some of uh, our friends first started to, to say, so the, the channel is called Freedom. The first part of the word is uh, in uh, English, F-R-E-E. But then instead of um, Latin G, there's this um, uh, Cyrillic G, Greek letter G. Mm-hmm. O-M, at the end, O-M which is okay. the same in both languages. Uh, so freedom, freedom, and I believe after that is dot .ua, Ukraine. You okay. can, you can, okay. that, that this is one of the verifi- verifiable, uh, verified um, channels to help. I'm sure that um, if you, I, I know uh, concrete people, but they say that Money, I've been sending money via Western Union to our friends in Odessa, but um, they say that it's not the immediate, uh, there's no immediate need for money. There's a, a need for uh, medical supplies, there's need for, for well, food and um, um, other things. So I, I believe that it's better to go through channels like Freedom, because they will then know how to redistribute currency and to, to right. um, update what is needed. So, um, right. I would say right. that. But I think that um, people are helping, people from Europe are helping. Um, I think that most, the most important thing that we can do right now is to keep the spirit of the Ukrainian people high. That's what is the most mm-hmm. important thing. Because this this is a okay. very tiring, tiring, um, mm-hmm. tiring and trying time right now. It's just very, very exhausting. Because you know, yes, you're they're brave, they're incredibly brave, they're incredibly uh, strong with their, because their heart is strong and they know that they're true. They're they're mm-hmm. the knights of light. Uh, uh, struggling mm-hmm. uh, and wrestling with the darkness, but even in this um, in this uh, moment, still we need to remind them how much we're supporting them, how much we're our thoughts are with them. So I think that sending sending, uh, keeping them in, in your prayers and um, sending your your good thoughts and posting on social media, talking about it. Because there's so much disinformation right now. It's unbelievable. And it is so uh, meticulously done. Some of the, you know how they are able right now, for example, there are funny videos when Bill Gates is talking about perestroika in Russian. Or Elon Musk is singing one of the Soviet songs. They're, they're uh-huh. able to do this computer technology. They're able to do any fake imaginable. And they look, look absolutely legit. So now I think it's really important to post a lot of um, post all the news that you get from CNN, from uh, uh, BBC, all the verified true true news about the war. To post them as much as you can to 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 uh, to, to to fight uh, uh, on the front of information because the war is also in the mm-hmm. on the informational front. That's what I believe. Yeah, that's. That's what you're sure. doing right now, I think this is part of it too, Marlon. Well, that's what you're, you're doing that now. 
yeah, you're talking about so. invisibility alert. Yeah, yeah, that was the that's mm-hmm. the hope that we can make some difference. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna play mm-hmm. one of the, uh, the other songs that you sent. Um, again, shall we play this song? song shall we play this Chopin? Okay, all right. Play the Chopin, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then we'll come back mm-hmm. and talk a little more before you know before we end. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go.
Okay, beautiful again. Uh, the pianist is Daniel Greenwood. Hello. Who, what's his name? I hear you. Uh, what, his what, name what is, is da- his name? Daniel. Daniel Greenwood. He's a British pianist. Okay. Uh, and this is the uh, concert that we did um, three years ago in London at the beautiful St. Piccadilly's, uh, 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 I mean, St. Paul's Church in St. Piccadilly, in Piccadilly in London, right in the heart of London. Um, he, he's an amazing pianist. I really i am hoping that uh, someday I will be able to get him here so the, that the American audience will have a chance of uh, hearing him play. Mm-hmm. Chopin Beautiful. was, um, Chopin was uh, from Poland. He was born in Poland, but his uh, father was French and his mother was Polish. And he spent his uh, professional years that he spent in France. And he missed his country, but he didn't return there. He died in France. Ah, oh, that's um, interesting. I didn't know that. I thought he was French. I know. I well, even his last, last name sounds Chopin, uh, the way we pronounce, yeah, pronounce yeah. it. But he's, he's a Polish composer. He's, um, when I was in Poland, when I was playing concerts there, one of the uh, towns where we, Zeliazowa uh, Volia, that's where he was born, um, there's a museum and there's a uh, wax um, model of his right hand. It's very small, oh, really? very tiny, <laughs> tiny hand. You, you wouldn't believe all of these virtuosic passages, how he was playing them. He must have had an amazing dexterity and flexibility. Of, uh, in his wrist and his fingers to play all of that. But the hand is very tiny, very right. beautiful, very delicate hand. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I saw a movie mm-hmm. about him a long time ago that was on uh, PBS, mm-hmm. but I don't remember him being Polish. It, it was more. It was about. It was more about the woman in the movie than about him. One of his. One of his, you know, relationships. Um, yeah, George Zant. George Zant. Yes, feminist, George Zant, uh, exactly. The writer is George Zant. That's what the movie was about. Yeah. Was it, uh, Love, hate, relationships, very difficult, very, very turbulent relationship. No. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, before we play the last song that you the piece, I keep saying song, but it's a piece. Mm-hmm. Um before we get to that, is there anything that you would like to say to any Russian-speaking listeners in Russian? Yes, I would like to say uh, just uh, the very short, short uh, announcement and short uh, request to them. I would like to do it now. May I do it now? Ребята. Сейчас пишется история, и вы знаете, даже если вы говорите себе, что все нормально и все окей, вы знаете, что ненормально и не окей. И сейчас необходимо 
необходимо всеми силами, кто может выходом на улицу, кто не может мыслями и молитвами, кто не может хотя бы внутри себя сказать, что вы не с этим режимом. Сейчас Россия полностью заблокирована от остального мира. Сейчас в России не осталось ни одного правдивого СМИ. Почему вы думаете, это произошло? Почему вы думаете, что весь мир ополчился на вас? Значит, как получается, что весь мир сошел с ума, а Россия права и делает все хорошо? Или все-таки наоборот? Почему от вас скрывают правду? Если бы действительно это была справедливая война, если бы действительно вы делали все здорово и освобождали бы кого-то от кого-то, наверное, вам бы полностью открыли бы возможности всем журналистам об этом говорить. Но всем журналистам, которые хоть что-то могут сказать правдивого, был заткнут рот. И они, многие из них, им пришлось покинуть страну, потому что им угрожали. И мы это знаем из первых рук. Мы вам вас не обманываем, поверьте. Сейчас идет несправедливая, братоубийственная война против народа, который является вашим братом, вашим кузеном. У вас там родственники, у вас там друзья. То, что сейчас происходит там, это кошмар. Россия на нее смотрит мир, как на фашистское государство. Это надо остановить. Нельзя, чтобы это продолжалось. Скажите, что вы не с Путиным. Уберите Путина. Он Гитлер 21 века. Я закончила. I'm done. I'm finished. Okay. Can you give us a little synopsis of what you said? You don't have to repeat the whole thing. <laughs> the uh, basically boils down to the fact that there is not a single independent media channel in Russia. There were two left mm -hmm. before the beginning of the war. They were both closed. People who were administrators of those channels, they were fearing for their lives, and they left. Right now, Russia is isolated from the rest of the world, and they don't know what's going on. And Putin's government tells Russians that the whole world is out of its mind, and Russia is the only uh, rightful and um, true country doing the rightful and justified war. And this is illogical, because if it was in truth a justifiable and correct uh, war, then all of the channels, all of the media channels all over the world would be left alone, so people would know how it is really. But since you're blocked, then even the person who is not into politics should suspect that something is wrong. It's not that the whole world is crazy and Russia is right. Logically, it cannot be so. And mm -hmm. I told them also that if they're afraid to go and protest against Putin, they should at least they should at least not support this, or should, they should at least know in their hearts that it's not correct, that this is a 
criminal act. That's what I basically said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We're going to play the last mm-hmm. piece that you sent, and that was homage to Jano Starker. Yes. Jano um, Starker was an eminent cellist, and he was also the – I've never studied with him. He was a Hungarian-American cellist who taught in um, Indiana, at Indiana School of Music in Bloomington. And he um, was um, the one who wrote to me when I recorded my Bach um, transcription of uh, the violin works on the cello. He wrote to me and he uh, paid attention to this and he praised me and we started correspondence with him. I felt like I was supported by a very important uh, musician and it was very, very inspiring. When Janos Tarker died, this piece just came to me. It just came to me. It wasn't mm-hmm. difficult to write it down. It was just, it's almost like the universe wanted me to write it down. So it appeared. Mm-hmm. Homage to Jan Starker. Okay. So we're going to play that, and, and we'll talk just a couple of minutes longer afterwards, so don't go anywhere. Okay? Okay. All right. Tanya Anisimova.
Beautiful, Tanya. Um, beautiful Thank you, Mom. song to, for the end of the show. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. While I was listening to it, I looked up Jano Starker to see his background because the music that you wrote inspired by him sounded very much like the music of my own heritage. Um, oh, but, is that so? Yeah. I'm really and glad that you felt the connection there. I'm really glad that you, you felt the connection to this. Yeah, yeah. I really I looked it up specifically to see if we shared a similar Eastern European Jewish background because I felt it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's wonderful. Yes, his parents uh, were Jewish immigrants to Hungary from Russia. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so Tanya, I want to thank you so much for being on this program, to speaking so openly about, you know, this really difficult and painful situation that I think the whole world is in and um, playing for your beautiful music for healing. Um, if, if my listeners... it was my pleasure. I... So sorry, I I'm I, as you no, said no, there's go a on, delay. Go on. Yeah, I yeah, said go that on. um I'm really I'm really not was not only happy to do that, but I'm really grateful uh to you for giving me that chance because as you rightly put it, sometimes we feel helpless. We want to help, we want to be part of it to 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 help the Ukrainians, but it's very hard to be of help. And I now feel a little bit better because you gave me this chance to mm-hmm. support them. And um, I feel a little bit lighter with my heart now. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. Um, and And if listeners want to hear more of your music and find out more about you, um, follow your great, uh, live streams. What are what are the ways that the best ways they can do that? Well, they can just look me up uh, online. They can go to my website. My music is available on my YouTube channel. They can subscribe to my YouTube channel. They can um, go to my Facebook page, Tanya Anisimova, cellist and composer uh, Facebook page or um, to my Instagram, and sometimes I put uh, some material and some news about upcoming events there. So um, uh, they they can listen to my songs on iTunes, they can listen to my songs on Spotify, or um, I'm sure they will, those who navigate uh, internet, they will probably be, um, well, it will be easy for them to find me. Okay. You're very accessible. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Well, you have a wonderful evening, Tanya, and thank you again so much. And Slava Ukraini. (laughs) Yeroim Slava. Thank you so much. (laughs) And that's the Danya. Bye-bye now. Okay. All right. Have a good night. You too. Okay, we've come to the end of really a great show, really um, 
Um, I am so happy about how this has turned out, and I hope that it's been helpful, enlightening, all of your hearts as well, and that you have um, the inspiration now to do some things to help the people of Ukraine, either donating, volunteering, or as Tanya was talking about, um, keeping the the spirits of the Ukrainian people up in this difficult time by posting and letting them know that you're thinking about them, posting verified news so that they know that they've been heard. And um, thank you all so much for joining us for this special show. And you can hear it again and get those website links. I will be posting them all tonight, later tonight, um, about ways that you can help. And if I find out more information after tonight, I will keep posting it on the website post about this show. And you'll also be able to listen to this whole show again on my website tonight. And you can also hear it in five minutes from now directly on Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash Your Golden Years. And you can find it on Apple Podcasts in five minutes as well. And um, this show, as usual, was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And I want to thank my guests, Ed Hockfield, Tanya Anisimova, and thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. Slava Ukraini. Ой, луди червона калина похилилася, чогось наша славна Україна зажурилася, а ми чую червону калину підіймемо, а ми нашу славну Україну тепер розвеселимо. Ой, луди, червона калина похилилася, чогось наша славна Україна зажурилася, а ми цю червону калину підіймемо, а ми нашу славну Україну Доброго вечора. Ми з України.
Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.